Please lower your head and watch your step while boarding. Welcome to the Attractions Podcast. You are all clear for dispatch. Have fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of the Attractions Podcast. I'm Seth. And I'm Carly. And we are here to talk to you about the latest and greatest in theme park news and more, as well as what's going on in our own lives. And I'll be frank with you, I don't have a lot to talk about what's going on in my own life because I spent the last week or so hiding indoors, working really hard on the 2023 edition of the Unofficial Guide to Disneyland. But Carly made up for it by having an amazing adventure this week. And um, I I feel like uh, I should, since your adventure is part of our news this week, uh, I'm going to go right ahead, do our news in the queue intro, and we are going to launch right into talking about Carly's amazing adventure. So here we go. Okay, well, if you hadn't guessed, uh, we are starting out this week by talking about the debut voyage of the Disney Wish. Uh, Right now, if you go to our website, you can watch the christening, uh, which happened just before the launch. And we have a whole bunch of videos. Um, We've got lots of social media, and you're going to see tons of articles appearing over the next few days on our website detailing everything about the new boat. But Carly was there in person. She got to take that inaugural cruise. And we are just going to start from the top, and I'm going to throw lots of questions at you because I am super jelly that you got to do this. (laughs) So first off, let's talk about this uh, christening ceremony. Did you get to be there for the christening? ceremony and what was that like i did it was wonderful the energy was great it was awesome to see uh bob shapak and josh tomorrow hosting it wonderful characters performers it was really good it rained a little on us at port canaveral that is fine it did not damper the energy or the mood and everyone was just hyped and i was sitting right behind barbara the new head of walt disney imagineering and she was absolutely lovely Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, you can see uh, we've got some photos. Uh, You can see gray skies being lit up by the daytime fireworks. Uh, It looked like a great little ceremony, and you can watch that whole thing uh, on a link that we have. But I am just going to kind of talk through some of the major components of this ship, and you can just give us your first impressions. I know you've got a ton of articles that you're going to be writing. Uh, So if you want to go in-depth, just search for Carly's uh, articles coming out soon. But Let's let's just start out. First of all, um, the room. I know a lot of people don't spend necessarily spend a lot of time in their cabin when they're on a cruise, but it looks like they really upped their game with the uh, the cabins this time. So tell me a little bit uh, what your room was like. Absolutely. Uh, first off, I am not a seasoned cruiser, meaning I've probably only been on about a dozen. And the reason is I get very sick and I can't mm-hmm. sleep. This cruise, I felt amazing. And I will say... The rooms are so spacious. It was me, my husband, and my sister. So I was a little nervous about having three people in a room because I've usually only done two. The rooms are incredibly well thought out in the way that they're laid out. Our room said I could sleep up to five, which I probably wouldn't do it unless it was children beyond that two or three. It could be a little cozy with five. Yeah, but it was it was spacious. I ne- Even with all of our luggage, because we all had full pieces, I did not feel crammed. I felt super comfortable. The bed and the pillows, like I slept wonderfully every single night. And it's rare that I come back from something like this feeling amazing. I feel amazing today and well-rested, which never happens. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, watching the uh, the videos um, and, uh, and seeing people's room tours, the things that impressed me, uh, first of all, there's some great artwork in there. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of sitting, sitting room and, you know, uh, Cruise cabins are often like just a little closet and you've got mm-hmm. no storage space. You've got no moving around space, but it really did seem like you had some elbow room. And I love the fact that they've got the split bathroom. So one person can be in the toilet and another person can be in the shower at the same time. Right. That was a game changer for us because it was me and my sister are traveling. We both have to do their hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Of course, on a cruise, you're probably showering and getting ready at least twice a day just because yeah. you're spring and then the nighttime. And we also did the early dinner, which was 545. 
meaning that we wanted to kind of stay at the pool and doing stuff as long as possible mm -hmm. to be able to get ready with all separate spaces. There's also a full vanity, which I don't even know how that fit comfortably in the living room area. That was a full vanity on a desk with a really nice chair. So someone could get ready there. Someone could take a shower and another person could get ready in that half bath. Yeah. Really efficient. Really efficient. Yeah. Very safe. Well, you, you mentioned uh, my favorite thing about cruises, which is food going to dinner. Yeah. Um, and this new boat has three new rotational restaurants and two of them are kind of like dinner theater experiences. Mm -hmm. Plus there's the, uh, upcharge restaurant, which by Michelin star chef, which I think you you did all four of them, right? So I did. I didn't do Enchante. I oh, did okay. Apollo and the okay. reason I did, I was able to pick the reason I did Apollo is because I'm kind of doing a story about the evolution of Apollo since it is sure. a familiar restaurant. Yes. I've been on Apollo on the magic many times yeah. that it's a great restaurant um yeah. how how did you feel that the the Apollo on the new ship compared to the ones you've done before it was incredible it is yeah. i mean we did two dinners that night so Apollo is my second oh my dinner God. how do you do that it was a three night cruise so the only you gotta you gotta cram it all in yeah and we we split stuff so it was it was great to be traveling with three people so that we could just kind of take little bites of everything. Sure. The ragu was incredible. The service was just mm. amazing. And of course it's beautiful and it's attached to the Rose, which is the beauty and the beast themed bar cocktail. Bar. Yes. On the ship. So it's really nice to be able to, you know, go to the Rose, have a drink, you can check in for your reservation and then go to Palo. So it's a $45 upcharge on this ship. Very reasonable for the quality there. Yeah. yeah, and it was, so if you also add the Wagyu, which is another upcharge on top of that, it's $40 for six ounces, which if you- That's insane. Wagyu, Wagyu is usually, like it could be $100 an ounce for A5. Right, so I think at Morimoto- Six Moto, ounces is insane. Yeah, yeah. Morimoto at Disney Springs, I think it may even be 50 or $60 yeah. for like two ounces. So that was very well priced. And I think a lot of just like the drinks and cocktails, there was, I was just telling someone there's a wine that I get at certain Disney world table service restaurants. That's about $15 mm -hmm. on the ship. It was $8. Nice. Well, they know you've already paid a lot to get on the, the right. ship. So they're, they're being reasonable with it. Um, the other uh, dinner experiences that I was really interested in is uh, I know they've got 1923, which is mm -hmm. a kind of a Walt themed restaurant. Looked very nice, but I was really intrigued by the uh, the Arendelle, the Frozen dinner show, and the Marvel dinner show. What did you think of those? So 1923 was good. I mean, it just felt like you're in a typical cruise dining room. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously wonderful decor. It gets very busy in there, so I mm. explored everything on the walls during the day when smart. You know, no one in there. Uh, Arendelle was my number one experience of the entire ship. It is so well done. It's nonstop entertainment. And it's, you know, we just did hoop. It was like that where you just have a Exactly. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. I was just so happy the entire time. And honestly, like sad when that experience was over. Mm. They have obviously, you know, Olaf comes out, Anna and Elsa. But in between, they have these Arendelle musicians. And it is a two two actors, one's on guitar, one's singing, and they duet and they sing songs from the movies. And that keeps it going still. And it was just, it was magical. I mean, that was like Disney magic encapsulized in dinner. Plus the food was incredible. It definitely leans heavy on that kind of Norwegian, Scandinavian feel. As a big but, fan of the IKEA cafeteria, it looks <laughs> wonderful to me. <laughs> My, my sister got the, the meatballs. Oh, so with lingonberry. Oh, so good. Yes. And she was like, this is like upscale Ikea. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, I had a um, Chilean sea bass at the mm. Frozen Dining Adventure. It was probably the best fish dish, dish I've wow. ever had. So if you go. Wow. Wow. That's saying something. Please get the sea bass. It was amazing. I don't even think. I stopped to eat anything else on the plate. I'm like, I am eating this because it tasted, if you've gotten sea bass out, you know, it's like $60 for that. Mm -hmm. and it was a full portion. It was incredible. Mm. It was so, so, so this is my kind of hot take. Uh, obviously I wasn't there in person. I've just watched all the videos, but the Marvel dinner to me did not look fully baked. Uh, it looked like a, a concept uh, with a need of a 
better execution. I don't so, know. Maybe that's just the way it comes across on video. This is kind of what I, I could say in one sentence to round it up. It is like dining in a pre-show of an attraction. <laughs> and but the tone of the videos is exact. That's exactly it. It's not quite real Hollywood production values. It's like they got a bunch of Hollywood people and then had an intern uh, from Imagineering direct them. I, to be honest though, I loved it. It was really fun. There's l l always something going on. Uh, you have, just there's some really cool elements to it, and mm. the space itself is really beautifully done with lighting and stuff. But it is like it's dining in a you know in a, inside of a pre-show of an attraction, which sometimes I like the pre-shows better than the attraction. True, Very but true. and we love the food there too. It just kind of is inspired by all the global destinations from Marvel, so we had some really really good food there. Mm. All right, so. Uh enough about food what we really care about is drinking right yeah. uh and there are some amazing bars uh and you are a connoisseur of of good cocktails so what were some of your favorite uh, adult experiences on the, on the i will say as a disney adult if you like cocktails this is the cruise for you and so worth it 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 had some of the best curated cocktail programs at each of the bars mm -hmm. and lounges that i've ever experienced and every drink I had was very well made. They are not giving like symbols of mm. you know, bourbon in it. My favorites were the Bayou was just stunningly beautiful. Themed to Princess and the Frog, but very subtle in the details. Mm. They had wonderful like New Orleans style cocktails, but legit, you know, was it, they had Hurricane, but not like the Pat O'Brien's Hurricane. They had a real Hurricane with passion fruit in there. They had a Sazerac. They really did a great job. My favorite was Hook's Barbary. That looks fantastic. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't know. So it's a barber shop, but they also have an old fashioned kind of little mm -hmm. bar. And a lot of people didn't know you can go in there without having a service. And we couldn't get a service because they were all booked up. Sure. But we wound up hanging there and it was this wonderful bartender from Glasgow, Scotland, Disney Cruise mm -hmm. Line. He's been with them for years. They moved him to the ship to work this bar because wow. he a bourbon expert. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So you pick syrups and bitters and it was just, it was one of the best old fashions. I and, and I also hear that you witnessed someone ordering the uh, most famous, most expensive drink in the galaxy. Yes. At the <laughs> Star Wars hyperspace lounge. The first night <laughs> in the corner of the room, we were at the bar and we did see someone order it and snapped photos from afar. I didn't want to, you know, your <laughs> experience you so, money's worth in case you haven't heard this is uh called the kyber crystal and it's the ancient spelling of the word kyber uh and it um it's basically little shots um from what i understand you get to keep the silver shot glasses mm -hmm. and they use some very very expensive uh liquor a, a grand marnier reserve and a, a pappy van winkle uh but I think uh, you even get a trip to visit the Skywalker Ranch vineyards uh, yeah. as as part of your five thousand dollar cocktail. Yes, uh, uh, they weren't oh, the first day. No one could figure out what and why it was five thousand dollars. They were being very secretive, which which worked out because the right. promotion they got. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you can't buy that kind of publicity because everyone's talking about it. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's Disney, so we can't. Afford uh forget about entertainment um did you get to experience any of the shows or attractions so, on the boat the shows aren't ready so mm. uh, no wonder i didn't see any because i was looking forward to the uh there's a new version of the little mermaid uh musical so they did it was interesting the first night i was hanging out the bayou and i started talking to a cast member and she's actually one of the broadway performers that's going to be in the mm. shows and she said they're just not quite ready they pulled together the last night a very short preview mm. of The Little Mermaid so you can get a little feel of the new story because it is a new storyline. But, it, you know, it's they're just not ready. Hopefully they'll be ready because they have, uh, I guess, 11 days until the first public sailing. But as far as entertainment, there are incredible little trios and solo pianists, especially mm. at uh, Nightingales, which is a dedicated piano bar. And that is what I love because when I travel, I'm always looking for live music and a piano bar is just my jam. And they did 
all different theme shows throughout the night from Broadway sing-alongs to country to 80s. Um, they really did a great job and they got mm. some really talented musicians. And that was kind of one of my favorite parts. Very cool. And the last thing I want to ask about, uh, you know, uh, you are a Disney adult and you don't travel with kids typically, but uh, I know this is a great ship for kids. Did you yeah. get to explore any of the kids spaces? Yeah, exactly. Um, I checked out the, ki the kids club, the Oceaneer. Amazing. I saw the slide that goes down. Which yes. They had open hours for adults to ride it. Uh, <laughs> I was in a dress at that time. So I was like, oh, I'm not maybe this. not. But the, <laughs> It's beautiful. Even the teen club has like floor to ceiling windows looking out at the ocean. They have an espresso machine. They have mm -hmm. games. Yeah, because uh, that's what we need. Uh, teenagers <laughs> wired on espresso. Yeah. Uh, the uh, big hero zone where they have that kind of inflatable obstacle course is in a really neat uh, two-story facility where they have at the top shuffleboard, ping pong, mm -hmm. all those kind of games, little like chairs so you could sit and relax and then when the obstacle course gets taken down it's a basketball court so oh, there was cool. actually quite a lot of people just like kind of hanging nice. out in there um they really did a nice job there's a lot to do and i think as a disney adult people are like oh why would you go on this as an adult the way that the spaces are designed is that they're so tucked away that you don't have to go near them I honestly didn't even notice where the kids club was in relation to all the lounges until the last day. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's right here. But the way they tuck everything in and strategically place them. That, that's what I always tell people about Disney cruise. They're great for people without kids because they do such a good job of entertaining the kids and keeping them from running rampant over the whole boat. They're, they're so nicely corralled uh, that you can right. go the whole time without seeing them. If you don't exactly. You don't want to. And like, the Bayou, Hyperspace Lounge, and Nightingale's Lounge are all in the same vicinity. Mm -hmm. So if you're kind of hopping around, you're not walking all around. You know, you're not going to be seeing all these kids because they're not really going through that kind of lounge district. So it was really well thought out in how they designed everything. Well, uh, I am super, super jealous watching all of that footage. Uh, honestly, I have, you know, I love the Disney cruises. Um, I can only afford to do one every few years uh, it's been several years since i've been on one i would have to really think hard about uh which cruise i'd want to take because the pricing i've seen you're going to pay about the same for a three day on this ship as you would pay for like a seven day on one of the older ships they're definitely getting a premium um yeah. but i guess if you if you've done the other ships uh there's so much new stuff that you know to pack in, uh, I, I think you'd want more than three days, it sounds like, in order right. to see everything. I think my big takeaway and what I hope to like use in my stories is if you care about food and beverage, every single meal we had was fantastic. Even down to Donald's Cantina at the poolside, they had 20 house-made salsas. It was inc and they were oh. all delicious. How are the chicken tenders? Are the chicken tenders still oh. good? The chicken tenders are still amazing, the same. There's a new barbecue restaurant that I had an incredible lunch at one day. If you care about good food, and obviously quantity is there. Mm -hmm. All cruises have quantity. The quality is incredible. The meals that I had, the dinners on board, were some of the best just Disney meals I've ever had in general. And that's kind of says a lot because that's mostly what I do is just yeah. for Disney dining some of the best food well you know i i always tell people if if you if you were a fan of disney world in the the late 80s through the kind of mid 90s which when i i think of as as the resort's peak period in terms of quality and customer service if you want that kind of experience now you have to go on a disney cruise because that's where that kind of attention to detail high quality spare no expense thing is still going on you don't necessarily get that in the parks anymore but you do get that experience in the cruise. Absolutely. I mean, and just the entrees. I mean, at 1923, I had filet mignon. And then not, not even counting all the other courses of soups. I liked it better than maybe even like a California grill. Wow. And I'm thinking of what we would have spent as my party of three on 1923 alone would have easily been like a $500 meal. Sure. Sure. Yeah. E you know, easily spend more than $100 a person. Um, Absolutely. This is not standard cruise dining at all no. and uh we've got brian in the chat reminding me of the most important thing i have to ask about you got to meet the legendary john stamos 
how did that go? You got a selfie with him. Uh, yeah. It was so uh, he was doing very limited uh, interviews and I was oh, very yeah. lucky that I got to do it. Uh, it was amazing because obviously he is a super Disney fan. So to be able to chat with someone that loves Disney as much as all of us was amazing. And I'm doing a story on his favorite Disneyland and Disney World dining. So oh. all about can, his favorite can, can you give us a, a preview? Can you tell us one of his uh, top picks? Yes. Uh, Hollywood Brown Derby at Disney World is his favorite. So Sol Solid choice. I'm solid sure he has signed that book more than once. Yes. That he, <laughs> his favorite spot. He was delightful. So nice. Very conversational. It was great. Amazing. Well, I think that we could probably do the entire hour just talking about the Disney yeah. wish. Uh, but obviously you had an amazing time and uh, I, yeah, I got to get out there on that. I got to start saving my pennies. Uh -huh. yeah, if, if you are an adult who likes food and dining and just perfectly curated menus, I hate to use that word curated. It's mm -hmm. so overdone, but they really did a great job fitting in with the themes. Everything is super gourmet it was just some of the best food I've ever had. Amazing. All right. Well, moving on from the Disney wish, yeah. <laughs> uh, more Disney news. Uh, this news is a little less happy. Walt Disney World has opted out of the Orlando to Tampa Brightline Railroad link that was proposed. Uh, there had been plans to build a train station right on Disney Springs property. But it looks like instead of that happening, now we are going to get a different alignment with stations closer to Universal's property. Yes, this is interesting because they kind of alluded that there's still going to be one near Disney Springs. But mm -hmm. what does that really mean? What does that mean for someone flying into MZO? Am I going to take a train near Springs and then grab a lift? No, probably at that point, I'm just going to grab a lift. Yeah, so... So the deal is that this is a high-speed train. Um, the first portion of it is supposed to be done uh, in 2023, early 2023, and that's going to take people all the way from West Palm Beach and Miami up to Orlando's airport. But then there's supposed to be another half that goes from the airport in Orlando all the way to Tampa. Uh, and originally, this was going to take a route along the 40... Uh, uh, this this article says the 407 it's actually called the 417 greenway um and that kind of dips along the south side and would have hooked up with disney springs but now instead they're going to use the 528 which is known as the beach line uh and so that instead is going to take it really close to the orange county convention center and epic universe yeah. which is the new theme park that universal is building from there, uh, it looks like they can get pretty close to Disney Springs, basically like kind of the other side of I-4. So it would be possible to have a short, like a shuttle bus or something taking you from there to Disney, but it's not going to be able to take you directly to Disney property. Um, you know, they used to have something called Magical Express for years and years, which was a free bus that would take you from the airport to Disney property. And when they announced that this train was going to be built around the same time, they ended Magical Express. And they sort of implied that this train would take up the, the slack. Uh, well, now they're going to, you know, you're going to have to at least do one transfer from a train to a shuttle of some sort. Um, but uh, it, this definitely, while uh, not, not maybe a win for Disney, it sounds like a big win for Universal. Uh, because if this can serve as folks going to the new Epic Universe Resort, uh, that could be a big plus for them. Right. And we've seen a lot universal in recent times, kind of picking up the slack where they see Disney mm -hmm. lagging. So if they are going to have maybe some sort of universal Orlando resort guest shuttle from the station mm -hmm. to the resorts, I would definitely take advantage of that because it could save a lot of money. You know, a lot of people don't rent cars. They take Ubers or Lyft and they just get more and more expensive yep. and more difficult to get. So that is a big win for Universal. And it, it, it's a win-win because, you know, the, the guest, if they get some sort of free or low-cost mm -hmm. rail, uh, that's money that they can spend on food or, or uh, souvenirs. Um, and Universal then traps those people on property. If you don't have a rental car, you'll probably be a lot less likely to go to SeaWorld or Disney. Uh, instead, you're going to spend your money on Universal's property. 
this is also could be great for employees in the area. Uh, John McReynolds, who is the Universal's senior vice P of external affairs, was quoted in the newspaper um, saying that Universal is going to be adding 14,000 new employees. And that will total up to, in the region, over 130,000 people uh, in that corridor. And if we can get a portion of those people out of their private cars and into mass transit, it's good for the environment, it's good for traffic. Um, so what they are saying is that this link could start as early as the first quarter of 2024. And they think that the rest of it will be done by the second quarter of 2025, which is right about the same time that Universal has said the Epic Universe will be ready by. So that's uh, that, a lot of stars to align, still a lot of work to do. Yeah. But this could be a big game changer for the way you experience, um, you know, because it is it is not necessarily a pleasant experience for a guest coming to Orlando for the first time for their first experience to be trying to rent a car and navigate wow. through or Orlando has terrible traffic. Um, and it's not a great way to introduce a guest to your city. Uh, yeah. And also if you plan on going to Busch Gardens, Tampa, this would be mm -hmm. great also. So you could stop at Universal. Then yes. take it to uh, yes, if that we don't know, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the Tampa yeah. station is and what kind of you know last mile connection there'll be, but uh, sitting in I-4 traffic yeah. on the way to Tampa, there's this section where you go through a place called Champions Gate, where it doesn't matter what time of day, it doesn't matter what time of year, you are going to come to a dead stop and you're going to curse the gods who designed the traffic through that area. And if I could spend a few bucks and get on a train and not have to deal with that, I will happily do that. Absolutely. So. And I'm just very curious what the price point is going to be. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the key. Is this going to be cheap enough that people are like, well, it's you know about the same as I'm going to spend on gas. So I might as well take the train or people going to say it's just too expensive. That's right. They got to price this in a way that it makes sense to do it. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, I guess it was a week or two ago, I think when I was coming in for Hoop. We were in Fort Lauderdale and was coming up to Orlando. So we had to rent a car. Mm -hmm. Renting a car was only like 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. So that was not bad. So this is really going to be a game changer for me if I want to visit family right. and then come up to Orlando. But it does de depend on the price point. If I, You know, from Orlando to Tampa, if it's in the neighborhood of 50 bucks or less, I could see doing it myself. Mm -hmm. If if they're talking like 100 bucks or more then I would have to really think twice about it. Uh, right. But and it's it's definitely going to be the price point because it kind of reminds me of the Eurostar in Europe. Mm. It goes from like mm -hmm. London to Paris and Amsterdam. And sometimes those rates for a high-speed train are like 300 round trips. Yes. Yeah. So Sometimes it can be pricey. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But that is some exciting news coming to Orlando. Uh, next up, not in Orlando, but all the way in Shanghai, Mickey and his pals are ready to welcome guests back to Shanghai Disneyland because the theme park is going to reopen on June 30th, or forgive me, already reopened on June 30th, um, bringing the magic back uh, safely and carefully with a phased reopening of the Shanghai Park. Yes, this was a long time coming and it's still nowhere near what we're used to now in the domestic U.S. Disney parks. They're it right really feels like they are where we were two two years ago. Right. Limited capacity. A lot of the attractions, ride shows, they're also going to be running at controlled capacity. You know, there will be shopping and dining, but with capacity, you might get to it. So it is not going to be kind of the full experience that they're used to, but it is a step in the right direction and at least something because they've just been going through this for so long yeah specifically uh there's a few attractions like the explorer canoes the selfie spot with mickey and the marvel universe meet and greet that are still going to remain closed um you're going to need a timed uh a dated ticket um, and those are going to be available those are available for purchase now um, annual pass holders are going to need a reservation um, and tickets uh and and attendance is going to be limited on every day um, so you will also, of course, need to have your Shanghai Health QR code um, with a negative uh, NAT test taken within 72 hours, uh, and there are still more restrictions. So not just a casual visit yet, but it is good to see Shanghai Disneyland finally uh, reopening its gates and uh, hopefully getting back to normal eventually.
definitely. Yep. Um, in other Disney reopening news, the Finding Nemo submarine voyage at Disneyland Park is finally going to reopen on July 25th. And it looks like they've got a new member of the gang, uh, Hank Septipod, uh, has a new statue that's been unveiled. Yes, this looks great. I mean, it's been such an eyesore with that construction wall up if you're on that backside mm -hmm. of Matterhorn. So this is like, finally, it's happening. And they've added so much in the way I think there's corals. They gave, obviously, a new paint job, new seaweed, and there's going to be enhanced special effects and lighting. So definitely going to be an upgraded experience for fans. Yeah. Imagineering put out a great video detailing some of the TLC they've given this attraction. Uh, you know, anything <clears throat> that involves water takes a lot of wear and tear. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the paint and the props had definitely faded over the years. Now everything looks so vibrant. Everything pops, you know, new new kelp, new seaweed. Um, and also the, uh, you know, the attraction relies a lot on these uh, projection effects that seem to float in the water. And the projectors had gotten very faded. Um, so it looks like they're going to have uh, all new projector bulbs, uh, making everything really sharp and bright once again. Yes, this is exciting because it's such an historic attraction. Yeah. And it's just a family favorite. So it's glad that I'm glad it's back. Yeah, uh, I've missed this one. Um, and it, it's a little, you know, a little controversial. It's a very slow moving attraction. Uh, it's a long attraction. And some people get kind of claustrophobic uh, going down into that submarine. If you don't know that you can handle being in a tin can for 20 minutes, um, check out they have an alternate experience uh, for uh for folks with disability, um, where you just go into a room and you watch uh, a recording of it. It's it's like about 80% of the actual experience, but it's a lot less claustrophobic. So uh, check that out if, if you uh, don't feel like climbing down into the submarine. But uh, I really like this one. I find it really charming and I am looking forward to seeing it back. Me too. Uh, next up in Disney news, and I think you might have a little insight on this, the Disney Vacation Club Studio Villas are now open at the Grand Floridian. Uh, Grand Floridian is, of course, the flagship hotel at Walt Disney World, and it's it's looked a little faded. It's uh, kind of not, it lost its luster a little over the years, but they have spruced up the uh, DVC rooms, and from what I hear, they look better than ever. They do. And I will say, I, I think maybe about two months ago, I stayed in a standard room here and I mm -hmm. I sent a picture to my husband and he was like, are you on the Howard Johnson? The old rooms, oh they, they need TLC desperately. So for now, this has rolled out to the DVC rooms. The upgrades are beautiful. Uh, the new ones are called Resort Studios and they are in Building 9, which was formal, mm -hmm. just standard rooms. So they basically took over these rooms and gave them the whole, you know, upgrade. And it's beautiful. They're themed to Mary Poppins. It's very mm -hmm. modern, very just clean, bright, mm -hmm. lots of little, it's not Disney in your face. It's lots of little touches like in the pillowcases, in the lighting, in the room's chandelier. So they did a really nice job, clean, modern, really great bathroom. The yeah. bathroom is beautiful. And I was able to stay in it one night, great beds, great job. They say it's going to roll out to the rest of the resort. Who knows how long that'll be. Mm -hmm. But I think when that does happen, that will bring Grand Floridian back to that, you know, level that it was. Sure. Because honestly, uh, definitely in the last few years, you've been paying solely for location with the yep. Grand Floridian. Uh, you know, the, I don't, I don't think the elegance of the rooms has matched the price point. Uh, but uh, I'm sure once this is all complete, that price point will be going up even higher. Sure. <laughs> um, and, and the location thing, I mean, I feel like that was important 20 years ago. But unless you mm -hmm. have little kids and you're going to be going to Magic Kingdom Magic. all the time, there's no need for most people to have that location when there's so many other places to stay. No, I, I agree. Um, but it, it does look like they have, have really uh, dressed up these rooms, um, mm -hmm. really brought them back up to standard. And uh, I'm also looking forward to the return of Victorian Alberts, which is yeah. going to be coming back to the Grand Floridian. So uh, that flagship will once again uh, kind of be worthy of the name. Mm -hmm. um, another thing uh, Disney is bringing back is Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. 
Uh, it's set to make magic again at the Disney parks at both Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park starting on August 25th. Yes, this was such a missed thing. I know families have been just wanting it so bad. So to have it come back is going to be a big deal. Again, this is makeovers for children 3 to 12. And mm -hmm. so they have all the typical princess stuff. You get the dresses, the hair, but it's going to be coming back with some new experiences, which is exciting. Yeah, I, they've got uh, expanding the diversity of the uh princesses and princes that uh, are represented with the costumes and accessories. And I thought it was especially interesting that they are going to have uh, some new hair accessories specifically designed, designed for uh, textured hair, um, uh, people of color with, uh, you know, not the, uh, the, the typical white, blonde, blue haired princesses, uh, you know, they can also get stuff designed for them. Right, and because uh, before it was really just the high buns, and unless you had mm -hmm. thin straight hair, could we go tighten back, and it looks like it gives you such a headache. Oh, the, I we would see these, and I would think that they look like little aliens, like like because it stretches them, so their eyes are like super wide, and it looks like their foreheads are huge, and they you know they they look like they're they're here to take over, like village of the damned. <laughs> yes, um, very good to see more more options, more diversity. Uh, and um, you can also check out the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique on the Disney Wish. Uh, I guess right now that's the only one that's uh, operating because uh, it's on the boat. Yes. Um, but yes, August 25th. So make your reservations because those uh, are going to fill up. They're going to be available starting at the beginning of August. And moving right along, even more Disney news. Disneyland Resort hotels are celebrating the summer with pool parties and new park perks, including the return of early park admission at Disneyland. And I tell you what, this news kind of ticked me off. Uh, <laughs> let, yeah. Let's start with the easy part. Um, if you're staying at the Disneyland hotels, uh, that's Disneyland Hotel, Paradise Pier Hotel, or the Grand Californian, uh, you're going to have some uh, fun things like resort hotel pool parties uh, from July 1st through the 31st. Uh, these are half hour long pool parties taking place with Disney's pool squad. You'll have characters and games um, and uh, dance party kind of activities. Um, that's fine. I'm all good with that. Um, you're also going to be starting to get preferred dining. Um, guests who are staying at the hotels are going to be able to make preferred reservations for select number of resort hotels. That's all great. Uh, but what I am here to talk about is the new early park admission system, which uh, messed up my week big yeah. time. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'm working on the unofficial guide to Disneyland for 2023. <laughs> um, and the way that books work is if you want a book to be on bookstore shelves or in Amazon for the busy holiday shopping system, it's got to get sent to uh, China where they uh, do the printing because we don't actually print things in this country mm -hmm. much anymore. Uh, it's got to go on to a whole bunch of dead trees and then it's got to literally go on a slow boat from China back. So if you want a book on the shelves for this holiday season, it's got to be done right now. And I literally had dotted the final dot cross um, the final t okay. in the book when they announced oh we are changing early entry and this is going to completely wreck your world because this new early entry is 30 minutes every single morning in both parks uh it used to be with early entry it was only one park or the other and if you weren't eligible you could just pick the other park and do your rope drop now, if you are not a hotel guest, you will never get to rope drop Disneyland because there will always be someone in the park ahead of you. Uh, and reworking our touring plans and figuring out how this is going to affect things was a very fun week for me. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is going to kick in on August 8th. And uh, yeah, half hour before... Um, uh, hotel guests will get access to select attractions. And I tell you, they have uh, changed this attraction list. It used to be that early entry was the best time to go and hit Peter Pan or the Matterhorn. Those are both not going to be part of it. Uh, same way over at California Adventure. It used to be a great time to hit Raiders Springs Racers. Racers is not going to be part of early entry. So it's really going to be... Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes up early morning attendance patterns. Yes, but I mean, it is... 
it should have been a part of it all during this time because the price you pay at a Disney Oh, absolutely. You were really awesome. getting no perks for staying Nothing. on site. And this yeah. is this is a major perk. This is going to be great for folks who do stay on site, so especially since um, it will let those people get a head start on getting ahead of the crowd for Rise of the Resistance. Uh, everyone else is going to be rope dropping Rise of the Resistance from the hub. But right. if you're staying on site, you'll be able to get into Fantasyland and get right close to that big thunder trail. And I think that uh, this will be a huge leg up for uh, for folks who are staying on site to hit that attraction. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. before there's no reason I, to me to stay at a Disneyland hotel. No, there really there really were no because uh, Five minute you walk. don't. You don't get an an advantage uh, in, like you do uh, with Genie Plus or Lightning Lane at Walt Disney World. Um, everyone's on an equal, equal footing uh, in terms of those. And honestly, there are cheaper motels that are a closer walk to the park than like Paradise Pier. Though Paradise Pier also, uh, we should mention, is very soon going to have their own uh, private entrance. In fact, I believe they've been testing it and it might actually be open right now. Private entrance for Paradise Pier guests into California Adventure over by the Corn Dog Castle, so uh, that that's also another nice perk coming back. Yes, I'm interesting to hear how or if they're even enforcing it that you're actually staying there because, as someone who rarely stays at Disneyland Resort but in the nearby motels, I love going in through the Grand Californian entrance into the park because it's just yeah. a little magical. I love it. I love that resort walking through it, not yeah, paying so, dollars to stay so there. So what they have been doing is uh, the Grand Californian, they will check ID at least until 11 a.m. each morning. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can you can get through there uh, later in the day. And yeah. the Corn Dog Castle entrance, uh, from what I understand, they are checking ID to restrict it to Paradise Pier guests to make it exclusive for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, because if everyone can just swarm in there, uh, great for the people staying at like the Stovall's Inn. I would love yeah. that. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can you can exit that way. That will save you a little bit of walking time on your exit. Um, so moving on. Uh, hey, let's take a look away from Disney and head on over to Universal Orlando, where one of my favorite dinner shows, uh, yeah. the Wantilan Luau, is back at the Royal Pacific Resort uh, as of yesterday, July 2nd. Every Saturday, you can once again enjoy a luau in Orlando. Yes, I am so excited for this. I was at Royal Pacific yesterday during that insane downpour. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was crazy. So I was like, oh, no, I hope the luau is still happening. Uh, <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, luckily, the luau is in a covered pavilion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I got to do it uh, on my birthday the year uh, right before the closure. Um, and I really enjoy this a lot. And I'm saying this as someone who grew up going to the SeaWorld Luau, which is long defunct. Uh, I used to do that every year. And I also frequently went to the uh, Polynesian Luau that used to be at the Poly at Disney. That's also now gone. This is your only luau choice anymore, but I actually think of the of all of them, this was my favorite. Uh, it's got, I think, the best food, um, a really good buffet, suckling pig. I know it's a little scary to look at, but it tastes so good. Um, ahi tuna poke, uh, grilled beef, some really great desserts. Um, and I love the show because uh, it really respects the different traditions. It doesn't lump all the Polynesian islands into one. It really kind of goes around and 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 talks about the differences between the different cultures of the region. Uh, and gives you a little taste of each of them. Um, this is this. I'm I'm very happy for the performers uh, that this is back. Absolutely, and I think you hit the nail on the head. The food. The food was always. Eh, at Spirit of Aloha, very hit or miss. Mm -hmm. The food here is better. And more importantly, you also get unlimited Mai Tais. Yes, it's yes. And, and the Mai Tais are pretty tasty. Yes. Um, I would say for, for all you can drink alcohol, they're pretty good. Um, it's uh, the, the, the dinner starts at $89 for adults and $39 for kids. The price has gone up a little. Mm -hmm. um, there is a VIP that you can add on uh, that gets you a table that's closer to the stage and also gets you a souvenir tiki mug. Um, I've done it both ways and 
uh, you can enjoy it just fine without uh, paying the extra. But uh, if you want to be right up front and maybe get picked from some audience participation, yeah, spring for the VIP. What the heck? Yes. I mean, I, I think it's a great experience because it's not massive. You know, no. you can see it from everywhere. No, it's pretty It's pretty intimate. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not like a huge stadium you're in. Yeah, this is great. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I think maybe next month. So, absolutely. Well, if you uh, if you're coming to town and doing that, let me know and maybe yeah. we could meet up and because it's been too long since I've gotten to do it myself. Yeah. Anyway, it's back every Saturday, uh, and you can head on over to uh, Universal's website and arrange tickets for that. All right, this one, I got a mysterious package in the mail, FedEx to me. Uh, and lo and behold, it was some trinkets announcing that Pirate River Quest is going to be opening at Legoland Florida Resort on November 2nd of 2022. Yes, that was very exciting. I love anything pirate themed and the leather bound notebook that they send. Oh, I'm going to be using yeah. that. Yeah, they sent. Yeah, they gave us a, a notebook, uh, like a spyglass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I ever join the cast of Our Flag Means Death, I am prepared <laughs> now. They even gave a little uh, compass, yeah. like you know, that shows you which way north is, with a little engraving on the back. Um, really, uh, getting me hyped up for this attraction, which is going to bring back to life the canals uh, that go through the vintage Cypress Gardens area. Mm-hmm. These are canals that date back, you know, over half a century, um, part of the original design of the park before it was Legoland. And now they are populating the shores um, with new sets and figures. Um, and you're going to be able to help uh, pirate crew search for Captain Redbeard's treasure. Uh, you'll meet Calico Jade and a bunch of exotic Lego creatures, including my favorite, a flamboyance of Ooh. flamingos. Uh, and you might even encounter a fierce kraken as you take a boat around the natural waterways of Lake Eloise. Yes, I can't wait for this. If you've been to Legoland recently and walked, you know, the little winding path of Cypress Gardens, you see they have been like ferociously working on this for mm-hmm. a while. I think this is going to be exciting because I love anything that taps into nostalgia and history. So to be able to do something over there besides just walk around is going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they have taken something that was so historic, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the boats that used to um, tour around Cypress Gardens were really yeah. iconic for uh, Florida tourism before Disney even arrived. And uh, to bring that back to life, um, uh, you know, I love Jungle Cruise style attractions. I'm very curious to know if there will be a live spieler on the boat because uh, I love spieling attractions. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, to see them integrating the natural beauty of the gardens with uh, with Lego characters. I think this is going to be a big win. So uh, set your calendar. November 2nd is going to be the big debut of this. Yes, a totally different vantage point of the gardens. I am yeah. ready. <laughs> Um, and for our last piece of news in the queue, this was a shocker. Cedar Fair is selling off its land at California's Great America. And that theme park in the uh, Santa Clara Bay area is going to close uh, within 11 years. Yes, that's the important part. The In quotes, within 11 years. We don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. No idea right now could be within the year, could be 10 years from now. Sure. Sure. So uh, originally this land uh, was owned by the city and just leased Mm -hmm. Cedar Fair. And it was just a few years ago that the city sold the land to Cedar Fair. Uh, Cedar Fair bought it. And Cedar Fair apparently has quite a bit of debt. So they are selling this to a real estate company called Prologis uh, for $310 million. Um, And they are getting a lease agreement that says that they can be there up to 11 years, but that's a maximum. Uh, there's no minimum. Uh, they could change their mind and decide that they're going to start dismantling the park next season. We don't know. Right. Uh, for now, um, everything is business as usual, um, but they're eventually going to sell this off. And they are <laughs> here's some corporate speak for you. They're going to monetize a high value asset at a very attractive multiple, providing them with a substantial sum of incremental capital, Uh, which sounds to me like this is all about moving money around and um, 
you know, generating more cash for stockholders. Um, but uh, if you are uh, a big fan of Great America, get your your last laps in now, um, because within a decade, uh, that is no longer going to be there. Right, and it's just with housing and renting right now. I mean, we could just imagine that in this incredibly populated area, this is going to be torn down and apartments are going to pop up. Yes, you're, and they will, I guarantee, be luxury apartments that yeah. cost uh, more money than anyone who works for Great America right now could possibly afford. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is, I, I personally have never visited Great America. Um, but, you know, there are, we've got so many theme parks in Southern California, not a lot in Northern California. And so this will definitely be a, a big blow to roller coaster lovers, especially in that area. Um, I, I do hope that uh, this is not a sign of Cedar Fair dismantling their chain as a whole. Hopefully they'll take the money uh, this and be able to reinvest it into parks like Knott's Berry Farm. Um, so... Yeah, this is this is big news for Northern California theme park fans. Hopefully I can get a chance to visit it before it goes away. Yes. All right. Well, that is going to uh, come to the end of our news in the queue. Um, and I think now it is just about time for us to jump into our main attraction. Bringing you your top news story of the week. Whether from your backyard or from around the world, it's time for the main attraction! All right, the main attraction this week is again coming from Disney. Both Disneyland and Walt Disney World will be home to the new attraction, The Princess and the Frog, Tiana's Bayou Adventure sometime in late 2024 so say goodbye to splash mountain because tiana is on her way right this is just such a long time coming and honestly with so many projects canceled i could have seen this going either way i mean i think this is a priority for them to make this massive update so this is finally we're getting some news at least a broad timeline yeah, uh, they announced this, um, I feel like it's been like a year ago yeah. or more uh, since this was the first announced that Splash Mountain, uh, which is a ride that is beloved by many, but has, uh, shall we say, a problematic history, um, to say the least, <laughs> um, the, uh, the ride track is pretty much going to be the same. You're still going to be floating in a log through a swampy area and there's still going to be a big drop at the end um but uh the sets and the characters uh that represent um song of the south which is a movie that probably no one under the age of 40 has ever seen <laughs> because it's not publicly available in this country uh those are all going to be transformed into uh tiana and her Bayou friends from Princess and the Frog. Uh, we've known that that was going to happen for a while, but this uh, confirmed it at New Orleans's Essence Fest, uh, where they had a panel of Imagineers discussing uh, what's happening with the attraction. Uh, we got confirmation of the name uh, because you cannot have a Disney uh, attraction anymore without the word adventure in it. Right. <laughs> um, however, we should be glad that there are no colons, semicolons, <laughs> M dashes or exclamation marks um, because it could have been Tianu's bioadventure colon mission slash escape breakout from the guardians of the bio. Right. Um, Nomenclature is the bane of the existence of anyone that writes or does anything content related to Disney parks because. The <laughs> the only thing worse than that is J.K. Rowling's use of apostrophes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, as as part of this um, uh, this panel discussion and this um, event, uh, they had a performance by Jennifer Lewis, who voiced Mama Odie in the film, uh, sang a song with the legendary Preservation Hall jazz band. Um, and we learned uh, a little bit about Tiana, who was going to have a brand new outfit. She looks like he, she sort of has a 1920s explorer outfit, uh, 
set to take her out into the swamp. Um, and uh, a little bit of concept art giving us a glimpse of what the attraction will look like when this opens up uh, by the end of 2024. Yes. And so this is going to start where the movie ended. Mm -hmm. so basically go it's not from the movie it's going to be a new adventure new story where it ended and they're going off on a little adventure as yep. is in the title. yes it's sort of like a little mini sequel um and so they have not announced when exactly uh the current splash mountain is mm -hmm. going to close um but my guess would be uh something like this is going to take between 12 and 18 months right. um you know i'm sure in addition to swapping out the animatronics and the sets there's they're going to take this time to do some infra infrastructure work um things like new lighting and maybe even replacing worn portions of of the flume uh this is going to be i i would guess at least a year project so i'm guessing that as soon as the summer crowds die down uh kids go back to school um we could see the splash mountains closing as early as maybe late august or or after labor day i don't know that's that's my guess uh they don't they have not officially announced that date but if you love the old splash mountain i'd say this summer is your chance to see it definitely yeah i'm excited for this uh after being in the bayou on the wish they did such a great job with just kind of making you really feel like you were in there with all the lush vegetation there's a lot they can do and i hope that they nail it because right. that, I mean, it's a perfect space there's already so much green inside there that i think with maybe some fun like fiber optics some twinkling uh they could really make this nice you know honestly like in terms of sets, I'm sure there's a lot of the sets where they can repurpose yeah. things. You know, a swamp is a swamp. And the, um, the, you know, the art style of Princess and the Frog had a lot of that Mark Davis influence. Uh, you know, you can see the kind of evolution from yeah. Song of the South's animation to Princess and the Frog's animation. So I, I think that they could, you know, maybe with some new paint and, and a few new props, they could probably retain a lot. Of it. I, I definitely would expect to see the riverboat at the end retained because um, right. I, you know, I, I feel like that could just as easily fit in with Song of the South. And it's that riverboat scene is just iconic. Absolutely. And they've already said that the conclusion of this new storyline is going to be at Mardi Gras. So well, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> what I'm really curious about is, you know, uh, in Disneyland, you have New Orleans Square butting right up against mm -hmm. uh, and technically uh splash mountain there is in critter country but it's really the border between critter country and new orleans square so i'm wondering if the um if you know the 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 dividing line if if this is going to be considered part of critter country if critter country might get absorbed into new orleans square mm -hmm. uh, um and especially over in walt disney world if we're going to see any more exterior theming referencing new orleans brought in because right now they're that's frontier land and it's a little more rugged uh, than the, the New Orleans uh, kind of French quarter look. Absolutely. And I'm also hoping at Disney World, this kind of flows maybe to a new dining experience that would tie oh, in. Oh, that, that, would, that would be absolutely wonderful because uh, that corner of frontier land could use for sure some mm -hmm. dining. Um, so, um, and yeah, John had uh, a very... Uh, interesting thought yeah. splash mountain closing at magic kingdom when tron opening absolutely uh they need to maintain capacity in that park so i would see if the uh if the um uh tron coaster can open in uh the fall that would be a great yeah. time for uh splash mountain to go down absolutely yep yeah definitely i was just on people mover yesterday just kind of looking over it's looking good it's looking really good. And speaking of People Mover, I hear that we might have had some new little additions to the soundtrack of the People yeah. Mover. Uh, some references to Progress City that ties into some new costumes on the family in the final scene of the uh, uh, Carousel. Carousel of Progress, right? I, I absolutely loved it. I was mostly blown away by, I mean, the new dialogue and actor, voice actors on People Mover was awesome. 
loved it, but I love the updates at Carousel Progress. Just seeing them with new outfits and new hairdos, and definitely, so the dad got some major changes, if anyone has looked at pictures. Okay. Yeah, it looks really good. You have to check it out. I, well, it's. I'm just glad that they have not forgotten that attraction. Um, you know, I, I kind of think that maybe it's time for a real complete reimagination of of those scenes because um, the last time it really got made over was in the nineties. And uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that they could do with that, but just any, any little change in update makes me happy that it is not getting torn out. Cause uh, no. that's, that's one that's got to stay around forever. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of yet another wonderful episode i want to thank you all for joining us and before we go i want to remind you to please head on over to apple podcasts leave us a review and please leave us a rating on spotify it really helps get the word out if you would like to see some more coverage from us and attractions magazine throughout the week during uh on the interwebs you can find me personally at the ug series on twitter at the unofficial guides on instagram and you can find my books at the Carly, where can fi folks find you? Yes, I am Carly Caramana on Twitter. And on Instagram, I am Adventures by Carly. Yes. And, of course, if you want to find all of us folks from Attractions Magazine, we are at attractionsmagazine.com, on Twitter at Attractions, at Attractions Magazine on Instagram, and at youtube.com slash attractionsmagazine, where you can find a ton of great videos all about the Disney Wish. Yes. Um, and until next week, I hope that all of you folks stay safe, try something new, but most importantly, have fun, and we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.